bit. So appreciate that. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you all. And uh, finally, someone told me I should do that. So um, thanks for the tip. But um, good to good to see you tonight. Appreciate you being faithful to Sunday night. And um, what a blessing it's been for our family to be here this um, this short amount of time as we've tried to just um, get a get an understanding of um, church and and then some of the areas we're looking at as far as uh, moving here. And I just wanted to say for my family and I how much we've appreciated just your warmth over the last couple of weeks and. Um, we're, we're really heading back and just feel like we should just stay, <laughs> um, really. And it's going to be difficult to head back to Sydney um, over the next couple of days, but um, there's still, still some things to, to um, tie up over there and just some things that we need to help um, Southland with. And so I appreciate you, so many of you have um, just said that you're praying for, for the church there and um, that's a comfort to me, knowing how much you care about that that part of our lives, and um, really just um, looking forward to our coming back, um, Lord willing, um, by mid September, and just getting started, just getting established here, and, and getting to know you all. And um, we're really excited as a family, and so it's going to be difficult um, driving driving back tomorrow. It's going to feel a little actually surreal in a sense, heading back to Sydney. And already in, uh, feeling like um, feeling like I can't really say home that much anymore. This has become over the last couple of weeks. It's felt like home. It really has. And so we're glad that um, that we're, we're able to take the extra weekend here. Um, originally, we were gonna uh, be heading back um, last uh, this past Friday, and so last weekend was originally gonna be our our last um, Sunday with you all, but you know, with lockdowns in Sydney and then lockdowns here in in Brisbane a little bit, um, we're just glad that that we felt like we needed to stay this weekend. And so, just really rejoicing with you all. It's been a it's been a good couple of weeks here, and um, just hoping that things just go quickly so we can come back soon. And so, um, we're going to open our Bibles tonight to Matthew chapter 21 as well. So, if you could quickly turn there, we're going to read it. Um, verses 18 to 21, we'll look in, in another portion of Scripture in Matthew, and then we'll go to Luke 13. But I also wanted to ask the church just to be praying for Pastor Shemish. Um, his mom passed away this past week, and so many of you perhaps already knew that, but just pray for him. Uh, pray for, for their family, their extended family, for comfort there. But then also just, again, just how, how life is at times, there's, there's ups and downs. Um, Curtis got married yesterday, and so um, that's good. I remember him being a little, little kid, you know, first time the Shemishes uh, traveled over to Sydney. And uh, now I recall that must have been Justin, actually. He was a skinny little kid. Yeah, that must have been Justin. But, um, but I remember Curtis as well being, being a little tyke, and just now he's married. So time flies as well. But um, we're going to turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, but do be praying for them and, and just continue to, to just hold each other in prayer. And verses 18 to 21, we see here Jesus, now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it. 
and found nothing thereon but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And, and I want you to note the, f- the first part of our, of our um, story here. Jesus is, is hungered. He's returning to uh, the city, it says here, and he sees a fig tree, and as he's hungering, he's expecting something. He was expecting fruit on that tree. And, and he sees that there was no fruit. And, you know, I feel like as Jesus was looking at that, he felt a little duped. Obviously, Jesus knows everything, right? And so he's just going through this, this whole story to demonstrate something. He, he was expecting something that wasn't there. Uh, many years ago, when uh, just before Azariah and I got married, a couple of us uh, fellows at, at church, we were all getting married at, um, around the same time. And so we decided a little bit of a last hurrah we'd all go to the U.S. together. And it was our first time really uh, traveling overseas, and, and, um, and we were you know, pretty excited. The, the ladies weren't, all of our, our um, fiancés weren't. They were saying, you're saving for a wedding, and you're going to spend it with the guys, you know? Can I get a witness? The guys, some of you guys would do that. But um, we went, and we, we had a great time. But I remember we, it was winter. We headed to New York. And we were walking around um, one evening, it was a little late, about uh, 11 o'clock in the evening, and you, if you know New York, New York is a city that never sleeps, right? And there was, there was just commotion, everyone was around Christmas time, and I remember we had walked around all day, and, and we were walking back to our subway to take it back to Queens where we were staying, and there was all these people yelling out, suits for $20, suits for $20, and you know, 20 bucks, I mean... I could do with a suit for 20 bucks. And, and they were yelling at Calvin Klein, Hugo Boss. And so I started to walk over there. I started to thumb through some of those suits. And I'm going, oh, wow, there's one I really like. And I said, where's the change room? Where's the fitting room? Ah, the phone booth over there. And you'd think at that point, you know, I'd, I'd get the hint. But, you know, it was my first time overseas trusting those Americans, 4th of July, how ironic. But, you know, we, we headed over there and... I tried on the suit, it seemed to fit well, and I thought, oh, wow, Calvin Klein, 20 bucks. <laughs> so I went back, I thought, oh, I got the bargain of the century. And it was, it was, remember, 11 o'clock at night. The next morning, I was excited, I think it was a Saturday the next morning, and, and I thought, I'll wear, wear this suit to church on Sunday. So I woke up early, and, and I looked at it, and I looked at it, I was like, is this the suit I got? And there were little blood stains on the collar. And it was filthy, and I looked on the, I actually looked on the label, it didn't say Calvin Klein, all right? It was something I didn't understand. And I should have gotten the hint, but you know, you ever felt duped a little bit? Sort of like you got tricked. It was something that you expected and it didn't come. And that's what happened to the Lord Jesus. He, he was expecting, he was hungered, and he was expecting some kind of fruit on that tree, on that fig tree, and there was no fruit. The Bible is careful to tell us that it was full of leaves. It, it looked good from, from approach, but uh, in closer examination, there wasn't the thing that he desired, the fruit. And can I remind you tonight that actually, you know, each and every one of us, 
Uh, we, can, we ought to be like that fig tree that God expects fruit from. And in Matthew chapter 24, if we quickly turn there, a little bit of a Bible study tonight, Matthew chapter 24, and notice verses 32 to 33, and here in a different context, but he's using that, that analogy again of a fig tree. He's saying, now learn a parable of the fig tree. It says, when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. You know what that is? It's there's a fullness that it's about to, it's, it's, it's meant to have. So likewise, ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. So, so it's, it's speaking here about the return of Christ, but he's using the analogy of the fig tree again to help us understand this fullness there. That, that in, in summer, there's a fullness of those leaves. The, the branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves. So it looks good. It looks promising. Fr- from the outside looking in, there's a, there's, a, there's an excitement there because it just looks like it's a fulsome tree. But, but he's saying there that, that really what he was looking for isn't those leaves. He was looking for fruit. You know, the, the Bible is careful to tell us that we need to be fruitful. All right, in, in John chapter 15, verse 8, the Bible says, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. And, and tonight, the, the simple thought is, is this, examine your fig tree. Examine your fig tree. We're going to turn now to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, and uh, verses 6 to 9, we read that, um, that account there of another parable about a fig tree. And now this, this situation that Jesus speaks about, remember a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and so there's a, there's a spiritual principle for us to glean tonight. In verse 6, he spake also this parable, and now there's a certain man who had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. So there's this owner of the vineyard who had a fig tree planted, and so that fig tree is owned by the, this owner here. Right? So this, this man who had a vineyard, had a fig tree planted there, and similarly to Jesus, he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. So this owner here is a, is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? He's looking for fruit from this fig tree that he had planted, he had placed there, then said he unto the dresser. So there's another character that we learn about here. There's the dresser of the vineyard. The dresser of the vineyard is simply the one that is given the stewardship over the vineyard to make sure that everything that was supposed to be growing was growing. So he goes and he says to this dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Notice what he says, cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? He says it's a waste of space. It's taking, it's taking space where it's something else could be growing. And he's saying, look, I want you to cut it down. But notice the attitude of the, of the vine dresser. He answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And so he's saying, give me another chance. Give me another year to, to do all I can to ensure that this, this, uh, this fig tree bears some fruit for you. And I want to I give you that thought this evening of just examining your fig tree. What we're going to see firstly is a fig tree is a picture of our stewardship or our responsibility. You know, all of us here, God's given us a fig tree. It's our area of responsibility. You 
husbands, your wife, you husbands who are fathers, your children, you know, you as the membership of this church, this local church, that's part of your purview. That's part of your fig tree. That's part of your life. And each and every one of us, we have a different looking fig tree. It's according to God's design for our lives. Some of us were called to certain ministries. That's part of your fig tree. And what that is, is God really encapsulating what your life ought to look like. It's, it's a tree that should bear fruit. And so tonight, what you have actually in God's sight is that you have a fig tree. And that fig tree is your life. And in your life, God expects fruit. When He examines you, what He's looking for is not how good the fig tree looks. What He's looking for is how fruitful that fig tree is. And so we often, we... we can, can go on and on about the, the kind of sphere of stewardship and responsibility. And by the way, can I just mention that that fig tree, it, it didn't belong to that vine dresser. That picture of the vine dresser is you and I. We're stewards of what God has given. God's actually the owner of our lives. You understand that tonight? It's in His vineyard. It's not in our vineyard. We're supposed to just take care of it. You know, when we look at our lives, sometimes we have this attitude like, well, we can do whatever we want with it because it's ours. No, no, it's only yours because you're a steward of that life that God has given you. It's only yours because in, in all of God's kindness, in all of God's sovereignty, in all of God's wisdom, in all that he, he desired for you, He gave you that fig tree, that life. And you're a steward. You know, a steward has no ownership over the thing that he's been given to manage. No, the true owner was the, 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 vine, uh, the vineyard owner, the, the picture of Christ. Listen, uh, doubly so, if you're saved tonight, you're bought with a price. You understand? Our life is not our own. So tonight you might have grand ambitions for how your life needs to look, but actually you should ask the question, what does the owner expect of me? What does he expect of me? We have this sphere of responsibility. We have this stewardship that's not our own. And yet we have this fig tree that God has called us to, uh, to ensure that there's, there's, his expectations are met. You know, our, it's our own life. It's our family. For us Aussies, it's our nation. It's our circle of influence. It's the work that God has given us. It's our church. All of that is encapsulated in this picture of the fig tree. And in all of these areas, you know, we can dress it up, can't we? Boy, we can make it look good. Boy, we can have the all sorts of, uh, make sure that the leaves are dusted and the leaves look a certain way. But yet, if we're not careful, we could find it no fruit. And our Lord is looking for fruit. And, you know, the, that fig tree is a picture of our stewardship. I wonder if we've understood that actually we're going to, that stewardship, it, the, the fact that we have this life, it's not our own. We're meant to stewardship, uh, steward it for the Lord. Are you a good steward? It, it, the Bible says it's, it's, it's really all of us here, we have the stewardship of our lives and we have to be faithful in that. Moreover, it is required of a, of a steward that a man be found faithful. I wonder if we're faithful to, 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 to take care of the thing that God has gifted us with our lives. 
And that fig tree is a picture, firstly, of our, of our stewardship or our area of responsibility. But you know those fig leaves I was mentioning, they're, they're really a picture of something. Look at Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to turn our Bibles a little bit tonight, so I hope you're, you're quick. The advantage, I, I'm just prepared, all right? Genesis chapter 3, and notice verses 7 to 10, and here is the fall of man. And notice here, again, just, just remember this. Every word of God is pure, right? So there's a picture here that God's giving because he, He's going to give a detail here about the kind of leaves that, that man uses. Notice verse 7, so, so they, they fall. They've taken of the forbidden fruit. Verse 7, the eyes of them were both opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed, notice this, fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. You know what they sewed? Fig leaves to cover themselves. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Do you understand? Anytime God asks a question, he already knows the answer. This was for man's benefit. He was trying to get them to understand something. Who told you? Where are you, Adam? And you know what they did? They hid. But that wasn't their first hiding. Their first hiding was the leaves. They sewed fig leaves together. We understand that's a type of good works, isn't it? It's a type of the works that some people try to present before God for salvation. We, we know later on that God himself, he kills an animal to cover them with animal skin, and that's a type of salvation. There had to be blood, there had to be sacrifice. So, so he covers man that way, but man first tries to cover themselves. And you know, many times what we present to the Lord is actually this, it's our personal effort, it's our own reputation. God's looking for fruit, real fruit in our lives, fruit that remains, the Bible says. And what we present to Him instead is an alternative, it's leaves. It's the leaves of our own effort. It's the leaves of our own reputation. It, it, it's us telling God how good we actually are or how good we think we are. And sometimes there's that facade, sometimes there's that vi visage that we're trying to portray to others that, that we might fool others with our leaves, but actually in God, He looks and examines closely and He's looking for fruit. We could look good before others. We could look good and we could have all the leaves, but the leaves don't count. The leaves, that's not what God's looking for. What, what He's looking for is fruit. So the fig tree that Jesus saw in Matthew 21 had just fig leaves. Interesting thing about fig trees is that that, uh, that ha the fig trees that have leaves in Israel, they, there were, they were a sign that they should have had fruit. They should have had fruit. But, but the fig leaves, they weren't enough. Because what did Jesus do when he looked at that fig tree that had, that had the leaves but had no fruit? He says, you're not, never going to have fruit. And it withered. He cursed it. You know, sometimes we can present a certain way. And, and you know, it's, it's not the external that Jesus is looking at. He wants fruit. 
you know, in all of us, there's a, there's a natural tendency for us to present best. Um, you know, some of you, you're, you're, you understand the whole dynamic, perhaps, of social media. You never see someone present their worst. <laughs> you never see someone who's disheveled and they're saying, look at me, take a selfie, right? It's always when they're, they're, they're looking their best. And we understand that whole, that whole thing. We, we understand that. But, you know, sometimes that becomes an imitation of actually how we are in all reality. We just want to present best. And as long as people are looking at us, oh, boy, they look good. Boy, they're always faithful. Boy, they're always... And we're putting leaves. We're presenting leaves when we should be presenting fruit. And, and there's that, that personal effort. You know, we're, we're, so, we're so fooled by the externals. Remember the, the prophet Samuel, he, he was told that Saul was no longer to be king because if Saul disobeyed. Now you remember the story about Saul, the, the Bible says about Saul, he was head and shoulders above everyone else, so he was a tall man. He, he, was, he was the tallest man in all of the nation. And, and so when, when, when God told Samuel, look, he's no longer to be king, go, go anoint the next one, go to the house of Jesse, you know, who he looked for was someone just like Saul. He saw the first brother, Eliab, he was more, more like Saul than anyone else. He was also tall. He was also had the physical attributes that Samuel thought in his mind were the, uh, were the attributes of a king. And so God says, no, not him. And we know the story. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And, you know, we can judge each other and we can look at each other on the externals. We can look at all of that. But, you know, that's not, God goes beyond that. God's not looking for just our personal effort. God's not just looking for the externals. God's not just looking for the leaves of our lives. No, God's looking for fruit. And too many times we make do with leaves. Too many times, as long as we have the outward appearance and we fit the part, we wear the tie or we wear our best or we present well and we say the right things and all of those, you know, can I just say, if there's no heart in that and there's no reality in that, that's just leaves. That's just leaves. We could do all of the serving. We could do all of that, and, and, and if it's, there's no reality of it, and we're going to see that in a bit, but if there's no reality of it, God sees it for what it is. He sees it. In fact, a famous group in, in the whole of the Bible, we see that it was just the, really their characteristic. Look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23, and notice verses 23 to 28. You know, if there was a group that Jesus loved to pick on, it was this group. It's the Pharisees. He says in verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, actors, fakes. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weighter, weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have to have done and not to leave the other undone. You blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also, 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are, are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Boy, what a, what a, what a message. <laughs> I would have hated to be the, the scribes and Pharisees. Can you imagine? I, you know, you'd feel like this small after that. But you know what Jesus was doing? He was examining. That's what he was doing. He was, he was examining all of the, the externals that they presented. You know, you, you look at the, these Pharisees, they, they just looked, they just looked um, pious. <laughs> they had those phylacteries that, that, you know, full of the, the Word of God. They had the, the different things that helped them stand out, and they had all of the decorations, but they had no substance. It's like the Christmas trees that we put up, you know, we, we don't hardly see anyone here in, in Australia have real Christmas trees. The, usually they're all plastic. We pack them up, you know, after a couple of weeks and we pack them up. It's full of ornaments, decorations, but they're not real. It's just, sub, it's, there's no substance and that's what the Pharisees were. They were decorative. They were saying, look, why did sepulchers, but full of dead men's bones? They look good on the outside, but on the inside, they were full of it. And so Jesus was trying to help them see, you know, that's not what I'm after. I'm not after the leaves. I'm not after the decoration. There was a church, look at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And look at verses 1 and 2. And one of the churches here in Asia Minor, you know, whenever... Um, Part of my examination when I go through just self-evaluation, I'm just asking the Lord to show where we're at. Part of the things I ask Him from a church point of view is what kind of church, who, which church are we? And here's one of the churches. And unto, angel, unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. says, I know thy works that thou hast a name, that thou livest. They've got a name, but art dead. They, they had the externals of a thriving church. They had a name, a reputation. They had the leaves, but actually they were dead. Boy, that, that's, a, that, that's a shocking indictment on, on any, any church, isn't it? And remember Jesus' threat as he walked around the golden candlesticks is, I'm going to remove your candlestick. I'm going to remove it. And I'll tell you now that, that every one of those seven churches now, they don't exist. There was a point where all of the warnings never came, never, they never took heed. And actually, at some point, Jesus himself removed the candlestick. And, and church, can I just tell, tell you tonight that my, my great desire is that we would move forward for the Lord. But listen, we would do well to take We're the stewards. And remember the, the owner of the vineyard, he said, you know, why cumbereth the ground? Cut it down. It's no longer to be. And there's churches all around the world. There's, there's works of God that at one point were thriving. I remember again, uh, about the second time I think we went and took a couple of weeks in the U.S., my family and I this time, and, um, and we, we traveled around and it was some beautiful, beautiful campuses and buildings that used to be full that were no longer 
hardly even had anyone in there and there was just nothing. It was sad. I, I could imagine the, the glory days of those works where the things were happening. And listen, I'm not, I'm not accusing that tonight. I'm just saying there's a warning there. Because we can, we can be obsessed with the leaves when, when God's looking for fruit. We can look at the externals and we can look at the, take pride in reputation. We can take pride in a name and we could look at all of that and all of that, can I tell you, are leaves. God's looking for fruit. And at the end of the day, if we're going to do a work for Him, if we're going to, as we examine our fig trees and we see that Maybe we need to work at it. What we understand then as we look at Luke chapter 13 again is that fig trees, if they're going to really thrive, they're going to need some work. They're going to need some real work. And notice the kind of work it's going to need. Luke 13. If we're going to see fruit, notice the, the attitude of the vine dresser. He says unto the, he, said, he answering in verse 8, said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. You know, God's warnings isn't a warning that we just take and give up. This warning, you know what, it, it caused the, the servant of the, the owner of the, the um, sorry, the, the vine dresser, the, the steward of the fig tree. You know what it caused him to do? It caused him to act. You know, if you're tonight, if you're allowing the Spirit of God to examine your fig tree and you're saying, maybe there's just not as much fruit as I want or as I need to give to the Lord, that's not a sign to give up. If you're a true servant of the Lord, if you're someone that desires something to, to glorify God, you know what you're going to do? Lord, give me another year. Lord, give me another chance. Lord, help me, help me work at this again. Lord, help me to see that the thing that I need to do. And, and here, the, 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 the vine dresser, the servant, the steward, he says, let alone this year also. Notice what he says, till I shall dig about it and dung it. You know what that is? That's the dirty work. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the real work that needs to happen. And I, I want to examine that. He had, he had that attitude of labor, of effort, of service, of responsibility, but it was a certain thing. He needed to dig it and dung it. And, and notice what, what that is. There's a picture there that I want you to get. Look at Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29. I know we're, we're turning a little bit tonight. I hope that's okay. Exodus chapter 29. We're, we're going to look at two more other scriptures this, this evening and then we'll be done. But Exodus chapter 29. Look at verse 11. And I want you to get what's happening here. And thou shalt kill the bullock before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And thou shalt take of the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with thy finger and pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. So there's a sacrifice of the bullock that was meant to be for the, uh, for, for the uh, mercy seat. And thou shalt take all that, that the fat that covereth the inwards and the coal that is above the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is upon them and burn them upon the altar. But the flesh of the bullock and his skin and notices and his dung shalt thou burn with, the, with fire. And notice these, this phrase, without the camp, it is a sin offering. So anytime you see sin offering, it's really there's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ there. So there's a type of the Lord Jesus Christ in the, in the, in the bullock that's being sacrificed, but also... In all of those other bits, the flesh of the bullock, his skin, and his dung, 
It's to be burnt without the camp. Now turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, a bit of Bible study tonight won't hurt anyone. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sorry, chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11. Notice this, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin. So it's a sin offering. Notice this, are burned without the camp. And now he's going to explain the picture. It says, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. You know what the, the dung is a picture of? It's that intimacy and that closeness and, and that really that sacrifice and that suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship we have with it. You know, when, 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 um, when uh, Paul spoke about um, knowing Jesus, that I may know him, you know what the, the next thing he said? That, and the fellowship of his suffering. You know, that, that, that level of commitment, that level of fellowship that you're willing to suffer for the Lord, he, he was saying that, you know, that's the kind of thing I need to put in. It's the spiritual work. It's the, the, the times where, you know, the, really the, the, the background, the, the things that are undesirable in the Christian life, the, the times of prayer that no one sees, the times where you're on your knees and you're just seeking the Lord for direction, the times of fasting, the times where you're reproaching your own body for, the, uh, for, the, for, for God's leading and filling and guiding in your life, those unseen things, those dung things of our lives. It says that's the kind of work that you need to put in. You know, too many times we, we focus on the, the service, and you know, service has its place, but service needs to flow out of the reality of our fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the substance. That's the thing that's going to bear fruit in your life. That's the thing that, that is the unseen. It's the things that are unsavory to the sight of others when we spend the time that we should with the Lord. Uh, how long uh, do, we, do we have to wait for, uh, for God to continue to warn us and then yet we still keep doing the thing that we do? It's all about leaves. When he's saying, you know what? I want you to go without the camp with me. I want you to do the dung work of bearing fruit, the closeness, the, the suffering without the camp. You know, here, here's another thing. Look at Philippians chapter 3, and, and we'll be nearly done. Philippians chapter 3, and notice, notice what Paul said. Philippians chapter 3, look at verses 7 to 8. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Notice what he says. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then I refer to it that I may know him. You know what he's saying? He was willing to suffer loss to see fruit. You know, what we don't like is we want, we want cheap fruit. 
you know, we live in a society where if we wanted to, even in lockdown, go down to the local grocer, go to, down to the local Woolies, the local Coles, and we can just get as much fruit. But, you know, it wasn't always that way. Fruit was hard work. Fruit, fruit was a thankless task of, of, of making sure you were there early enough to, and you were there consistently enough to just dung and just do the dirty work. And listen, you know, so many times we like the visible work of ministry. You know, I know, I know for myself, this is a, this is a pleasure to do. The, the thing of preaching the, the Word of God, that's, there's a pleasure in that. But you know, what feeds the fruit of that is the dung work no one sees. The times where I'm just seeking God because I don't know what to pray. I don't know what He needs and me to say and... I don't know what, and it's the times where early in the morning we get up and no one sees and you're praying for the people, you're asking God, Lord, what do they need? That's the dung work no one likes to do. You know, that's the, the times where regardless of, of the, the message and, and you know that's the message you preach, you preach it anyway, it's unpopular and you cop the flack. That's the dung work. It's the stuff no one wants to do. And listen, it isn't pleasant. Suffering loss isn't pleasant. Dung isn't pleasant. It's the stuff we don't like. It's the loss we face when we live without the camp, when we're set apart with Christ and for Christ. It's the enduring of hardness of the, of the Christian life, but it's what's required for the fig tree to be beyond leaves and to be fruitful. You know, it's, it's not just turning up. You know, sometimes we just turn up and, and out of duty we do. But, you know, we need to go beyond duty and we need to have substance. We need to have delight. And it's that fellowship with Christ, you know, that whole principle of abiding. That's actually the hidden work and the secret work, but it's a fruitful work of the Christian life. You know, Martha, she was cumbered about with much serving. But, you know, who chose the better part? It was Mary who sat at Jesus' feet. So you ask yourself this, who was more fruitful? And it wasn't a knock on Martha, but it was an it was a it was a elevation of what was the better part. L listen, we, we ought to serve with substance. We we ought to be the, the kind of Christian who looks at our lives and allows allows the real owner. Remember we're just stewards. And I'm thankful for the fig tree God's given me. You have a fig tree too. But I wonder if we allow the Spirit of God to just examine that, is it leaves or is it fruit? And tonight, maybe just allow the Spirit of God to examine your fig tree a little bit. What do we have? What, what do we, if, if Jesus was there, is, is going to examine our fig tree, what will he see? And tonight, is it leaves or is it fruit? And I want to I encourage you, May we desire fruit that remains. May we desire fruit that, that really, the, the more fruit, the more glory. And may we do that part that no one sees. May we do that part of just that, that close fellowship with the Lord, that closeness, that even that, that counting loss for Christ. And I'll tell you, when there's fruit, there's joy. When there's fruit, God's glorified.
when there's fruit, God's, God's blessing is so evident, you won't even doubt it because you can't argue with fruit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for tonight. And Father, I'm just convicted tonight of the fact that, Lord, it's so easy to, to just sort of turn up and do the thing that we know to do. And Father, you've given us, Lord God, the, the stewardship of this life. And too many times I have to just be careful to admit tonight that, um, Lord, it's easy to present leaves. Help us, Lord God, each and every one of us to have just the reality of, of that, Lord, that dung work that needs to take place to, to really bear fruit. And Lord, if it is the case tonight that, that, Lord, we're lacking fruit in our lives, Lord, help us to have the desire of the servant there. Lord, give us another chance. Help us to just, just give it time, Lord, to dung it again. And I pray that you'd help us to dig about our lives, to, to dig about and to, to do the work of fellowshipping with you, of, of just suffering with you without the camp and counting loss. So that then, dear God, we can look back and we can have our fig trees examined again and then we, we might see the fruit thereby. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you again for the, the time we've had together. Lord, in my heart, just, um, Lord, just desires this, that this, our church family, we just continue to just, just grow, continue to be used of you. So I pray, Father, that, Lord, we would desire you much more than anything else. Pray, dear God, that you, Lord, even in our time, Lord, apart, that, Lord, in, in, the, in, the, in between now and our return together, our, our reunion, that we would just look back and see a greater fruitfulness in our midst. And I pray, dear Lord, that you just be glorified because that's what it's all about. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen.